Hey everyone, this is Sam Klinger and Meg Rowley. Welcome to this episode of The Human Edge with Shad Morris. Today, Shad will be talking with Alex Counts, President and CEO of Grameen Foundation. They will be discussing some topics in Alex's recent book, Changing the World Without Losing Your Mind. Uh, I'm here today with Alex Counts. Alex is a consultant, a writer, and an academic who teaches and spends time at the University of Maryland and does a lot of great stuff helping to change the world. Just by way of introduction, before I introduce and have Alex talk, Alex and I go way back. I was Alex's first intern at Grameen Foundation. Alex founded Grameen Foundation. I remember sitting in a small office with boxes all over the place and <laughs> a working, fire hazard for working sure. <laughs> and we were working hard. We we oh. did a lot to get that thing going. I remember being there sometimes at nine at night, just kind of burning the midnight oil trying to get this. And and of course, I only spent a summer there, and we we did a lot of cool stuff. But after that, Alex stayed and built a, an incredible organization. So we're here with Alex, and I want to take a little moment to have Alex introduce himself and tell us a little bit about how you got involved in Grameen and microfinance and development in general. Well, those were amazing times uh, when we started Grameen Foundation that first summer, and, and you and the two other interns that came with you at the invitation of Jeff Davis. Really, I'm not sure if we would have gotten through that first year without it. We ended up becoming a $25 million nonprofit, raising $2 million a month for spreading microfinance around the world. But that first year, it was not sure we were going to actually make it to the second year, and you helped us. So thank you for having me back. You know, I went off to Cornell as a physics major from New York City, not much of a social conscience. And there were students there, my fellow students, who were protesting very creatively against apartheid, which was then the law of the land in South Africa. And it just opened up my mind to the injustices in the world, the fact that you could do something about them, do something creative, do something that might really work. And it set me off in my own kind of through my courses and personal study about what were the key issues facing mankind. And I thought poverty was a, was a central one and what was being done constructively, pragmatically to address it. And that led me to Muhammad Yunus. And in my junior year, I wrote him a letter, very idealistic, somewhat grandiose, about I wanted to help him and join his team. And he wrote me back and invited me. And so that led to a, a kind of an extended apprenticeship uh, with him, living in Bangladesh for most of my 20s. And then when I would turn 30, that's when we started Grameen Foundation with your help. Since that time, I mean, you've grown this, such an amazing organization. Muhammad Yunus got the Nobel Peace Prize in 2006. Correct. And, and you've been involved in that whole movement. And you've, you've done a, a great service in this area in sort of changing the world. Mm -hmm. And you have a recent book on how to change the world without losing your mind. And that's a, that's a very important part because especially in development, economic development, we see a lot of high levels of burnout, high levels of discouragement and people who work in this space trying to do good but seeing very little done or, or not seeing the results that they wish they could see. How did you think about writing that book and what is this book really about? Well, I'm at, I'm at a stage right now, the last two years, where I'm, I'm trying to distill what I learned in the first 30 years of my career and, and give that to my students at the University of Maryland give it to people that I'm mentoring, 
give it to my consulting clients, nonprofits that hire me, and then give it to people who want to read my book and my blogs online and a lot of free content on my website, alexcounts.com. And so, I'm, you know, I, I think I may want to jump into the hot seat of running an international nonprofit or a local nonprofit again. But now I'm in this space of harvesting my learnings. And I think that it takes a lot of blood, sweat, and tears to take an idea about how to improve the world and really operationalize it. It takes uh, a lot of guts, a lot of hard work, a lot of resilience to bounce back from uh, setbacks. But the thing that I learned, you know, I was three years into my dream job, the one that you were there at the very beginning, and I realized that I was, it was, it was starting to come at a great personal cost. And to a certain extent, the way I'd been wired at the time, that was acceptable. That was even part of the, like a badge of honor, like... Oh, you got four hours sleep last night. I got three. Oh, you you haven't had a dinner with your wife in two months. I haven't had it in three months. Oh, you know, my cholesterol is up and my weight is up and my all. It's almost like that was a proof that you really cared. And and I just saw the fallacy in that way of thinking. And, and I began to think that I wanted to change the world. I wanted to have my life be meaningful to the larger society, create public good rather than a mass private wealth as my top priority. But it couldn't come at the expense of my physical, mental, or spiritual health. Those things needed to also be moving in the upward direction. And I wish I could tell you that there's one trick, one technique, one idea that kind of allowed me to do that. But it was really hundreds of things that I tried. Some worked, some didn't. Some kind of obvious, like a lot of physical exercise, which I found to de-stress myself and reduce anxiety levels. And uh, some uh, less well-known, like having have certain types of hobbies and things like that. The first thing is it became unacceptable to have the work that I was doing for the public good come at a private cost mm-hmm. and a, not a, not so much a private cost. Foregone salary, that's kind of normal in the nonprofit, but, but foregone that is just that spiritual, that soul sucking. And I said, if that was what some of my mentors subscribed to, that was where I'd part ways with them and end each year a little bit more whole than I started the year, in addition to whatever good I could do for the world. It's interesting. You mentioned some key aspects of making sure you're doing good, but also taking care of yourself Mm -hmm. so that you can continue to do good. Are there any key sort of recommendations or specific advice you'd have in terms of, one, how do you maintain that physical health? How do you maintain that mental health? How do you maintain that spiritual health, that spiritual connection in some way? My book is chock full of stories that I tell about my life, just big and little ideas and techniques. I'll tell you one thing, um, sometimes especially when you are doing work to improve the world that is somewhat abstract and the impact is not that visible to you if it's in another country, I just, one of the things I did is I would have these, I called it like a service meditation and I began to do something what I'd, I'd also done in my youth. If I'm walking down the street and I see a piece of garbage, actually I'd noticed here at the BYU campus, there isn't a lot. I would just pick it up and then put it in the next garbage can. Like every street I would walk down, I'd try to be a little cleaner than before I'd walk down it. And so it, it gets something tangible to what was this abstract making the world good, but I was making that street a little good and it created some sort of harmony with my personal behavior and my professional behavior, but also was tangible. Yeah. And um, the other thing, I, one of the things I learned is I, I said that it was very important to me. I wanted to each day to try to make someone else's day. And I felt that in addition to the, the impact it had on them, it, it actually improved my mindset. Uh, it reminded me of the impact that I can have on the world by having an impact on one person. It might but should just be the the cashier at the grocery store. 
you know, saying, "Well, you did a really nice job cashing me out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna write a letter to your manager." And like, whoa! And it, what did it take me to do that? But you know, you go through life and you're kind of focused. And uh, I began a process of writing, uh, and this is an original to me, but I adopted an idea I'd heard others of writing a gratitude journal. Mm-hmm. So every every day, I try to write down ten things that I'm grateful for. Now, some people do it what they're grateful for from the previous day. I just what are, what are ten things I'm grateful for? at this moment, regardless of the time frame. And so people have different, slightly different ways of doing that. And and one thing I learned is that my biggest thing that would trip me up professionally, maybe you can verify this from a time before I had this insight, was anxiety. Mm. And whereas anxiety for some people paralyzes them, me, it, it does something quite different. It, it really erodes my ability to make good decisions in my relationships, in my professional judgment. And I realized that one of the things I did that reduced anxiety, didn't eliminate it, was aerobic exercise. Mm. The 30 pounds that I was beginning to put on when you uh, last saw me, I've taken it all off. I'm back to basically my high school weight. And I've been exercising aerobically six days a week for 15 years. And uh, just become a habit. Uh, And it was a habit born of, it was the best solution I knew to this issue of anxiety that would come up, you know, reduce it to a manageable level most of the time. So, so those are the things. But the basic idea was, again, I had to get out of this mindset that nonprofit work had to come at that cost or it was even something to be proud of. And then I just tried a bunch of stuff. Some worked, some didn't to get me in a lot more mental, physical, spiritual uh, health. And then if I did it, I would keep doing it. Fantastic. It seems like you're hitting, one of the things we try to do with this podcast is hit on sort of research-based evidence of how to improve lives from a global perspective. And I'm seeing three sort of key things that I'm taking away. Let me know if I'm wrong. The first is this mindfulness, maybe this taking time to meditate and contemplate life and make sure you're, you're just having time to decompress and be there. The second is this, you're saying, making a difference for individuals around you, especially if you're in development. Mm -hmm. You're trying to help the masses. You're trying to help large numbers. And we often assume that our real impact is on the number of people we impact. And that can be discouraging because it takes a long time to see great impact. But if you're taking time to impact individuals around you, maybe Mm -hmm. that checker and helping them out or someone at work and paying them a compliment or helping them understand, then you're seeing tangible, as you're saying, tangible good come in that process. Mm -hmm. You're staying connected to, at least I'm making some progress here. I'm I'm leaving this road a little cleaner than I found it. I'm, I'm leaving this person better off than I found them. And the other third one I would say that you've hit on was this gratitude journal. I love that idea. And and there is a quite a bit of research that shows keeping a gratitude journal or just in a, in many ways counting your blessings and from a BYU perspective that's what we would call it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but being grateful, showing that gratitude for life and the things that you're grateful for, taking time to contemplate that really does make a big difference. There was a moment where my life was just coming apart and I just said I need to try some new stuff uh, and I drew from different faith traditions, different kind of spiritual traditions. Some of them are just my own, you know, mentors. Some things I just tried because it crossed my mind one day, but I felt it was very important. And the mindfulness, one of the things, one of the ways I exercise, especially in the warmer months, is I run, and I now run three marathons. I'll be running my fourth in, in this fall if, if my body holds up for it. And And for me, running, I never run with earphones. I never run with a partner, except if it's someone really wants to run with me. It's, it's, it's that kind of uh, 
meditation and mindfulness, paying attention to my breathing, with the environment around me, the you know perspiration, all that. And again, that just allows me to go back into whatever I'm trying to do to heal the world at the same time healing myself. And there's a kind of an integrity to that. Also, this, you know, this trying to do the little thing for the person or the environment around you. I think one of the things about trying to work at the global scale is that change is large scale when it happens, slow, as you mentioned, but also it's, it's not really visible to you often. So here I'm sitting in Washington raising money to expand microfinance in India. Might go to India once a year, and it just it's abstract. And there are ways to bridge that. But one of the ways to bridge it is is try to do something, anything to help another human being. Might not be related to economic development. That just can tickle your imagination, help you imagine better the good that is you're doing that's out of your line of sight because it's you know eight thousand miles away. Well, Alex, this is fantastic, and I just want to let our listeners know where they can find this book. So the book is it's changing the world without losing your mind. Okay. Uh, Leadership Lessons from Three Decades of Social Entrepreneurship. It's available on Amazon and bookstores and Barnes & Noble, but the easiest place to get it is on Amazon. A lot of free content that was kind of related to the book is on alexcounts.com. That's counts with a C. And, And then my new book that's coming out, which is kind of a distillation of the lessons, but without all of the stories. It's a simpler presentation, you might say, coming out next month, and it's called When in Doubt, Ask for More. Uh, one of my kind of lessons around fundraising, uh, when in doubt, ask for more and 213 other lessons for uh, mission-driven leaders. Oh, fantastic. All right. Well, that's great. And we'll uh, look for that book coming out soon. And thanks, Alex, for your time. Thanks so much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you'll join again next time on The Human Edge. 